What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Excited to share this one today. Uh, Tried out kind of a new format. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we like uh, that podcasting is kind of this choose your own adventure platform kind of medium that we can try new things and experiment with different angles and conversations and see what fits and doesn't fit. So we're trying something out new that uh, we're calling it kind of like rabbit holes or what lights you up. Uh, We're always texting each other and DMing each other about all these random rabbit holes that we're going down, whether it's Egypt or, or Atlantis or any kind of like any biohacking supplement thing, routine, whatever it might be all over the place. You know, it could be, conspiracies or it could be health things or it could be just uh the latest tv show that uh was interesting That's so right. uh we're going to play around with this format of of kind of conversational rabbit holes where where the conversations are less directed and more kind of open-ended towards kind of rather random topics of rabbit holes that our, our guests explore so mm-hmm. uh we had two uh near and dear friends on the pod today to kind of try this out uh, old time friends since I was, I don't know, five or six years old. Ryan Dash grew up playing soccer together and, and causing trouble, good and fun together. Um, he's the host of Vancouver Life podcast, which is a great podcast uh, about uh, real estate, about the market, uh, about finance, uh, about all sorts of stuff. And he's one of the founders of Vancouver Life Real Estate Group. And we had our other friend, uh, Rick Ocean, join us. Rick is an OG in the health and wellness game. Um, one of part of the founding team of Body Energy Club, uh, one of the largest purveyors of health and wellness in, in BC, in Vancouver. Uh, you've probably gone to their shops, great smoothies and supplements and pretty much everything you could need to, to live your life well. Uh, so <clears throat> Rick's been a part of that team for almost 20 years or yeah. so. And, and, uh, when he's not doing that, he's, um, often working in the, in the crypto side of currency and digital finance. Uh, I think he's currently supporting the team at Binance, I believe it was. Um, but, uh, two great guys that we spend a lot of time with, whether cycling or, or just, you know, having our families play together. And often those conversations go towards rabbit holes and, and rants and raves. So we thought they'd be a fun duo to start with. That's right. Well, we talked about it even, it might've been pre-pod, but with Dash, like, you know, you go for a long bike ride, you're training for a Fondo or something, or just getting out to be, you know, fit and social. And you can only have surface conversations for so many minutes before it turns to something like a little more, you know, oh, this is something that I heard or read or something I'm interested in. And what do you think? And then that was really kind of the conversation today. And it's fun. It's fun to be able to talk about things that are more meaningful than just like the weather or, you know, the the fate of the latest sports team. And and uh, the thing that I love about, you know, uh, both Rick and, and Dash is that they um, they have these like kind of conventional spaces that they take up in the marketplace with real estate for, for Ryan and of course Body Energy Club uh, for Rick. But they, they both have this passion and this deep interest in like crypto and these new emerging currencies and it's still kind of really speculative and curious for a lot of people and so it's an interesting um position to hold to kind of listen in on people who've been in that space and kind of pursuing what it looks like to to hold value in a different way than what we're that we're we're used to 
while also being tied into like this conventional kind of economy that we're all familiar with. And we're watching, you know, some of us with bated breath as things are unfolding really quickly with the world's economies these days. Um, but just some cool perspective. And and really at the heart of this conversation, we were talking about like the idea of, of shifting power and, and kind of the decentralization of a lot of things that we're seeing or we might be on the, on the verge of. So yeah, kind of cool to like armchair some of these things and just have some conversations with, interesting people who you know are informed and but in no way as they would both claim no way experts but have spent a lot of time like learning about this just out of their own interests so it's a fun one exploring those curiosities i think that's the whole point just scratch the surface and and see what uh you know as you cut through the onion see what the the see what the layers have to to share and right. uh you know i'm always interested in what other people are interested in you know what are they curious about or yeah. what rabbit holes so and i love that the kind of notion of decentralization you know we talked a lot about it on the finance side but uh where else could decentralizing powers kind of benefit uh societies and communities yeah so this was the first of uh you know trying out a new format and uh we hope that you guys enjoyed as much as we enjoyed having the conversation and i think it's something that we'll explore in in more conversations going forward so that's right let's let it roll there we go Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. We love AG1 because when we drink it, we know it is our foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for the whole body health. AG1 really replaces all of your multivitamins, probiotics, and more in one simple and delicious drinkable habit. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients is gonna support your health. We love it. We drink it every day. It's part of our morning ritual. We know that when we drink it, we've got our daily nutritional needs met. It has 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients. Honestly, I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust this product so much and literally use it every day. We love AG1. If you are looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out, friends. So maybe let's, because me and Dean and I, you know, I've, I've dabbled in cryptocurrency just listening to both of you guys and learning from you both, but uh, we are far from um, traders or experts <laughs> or, you know, I'd say I I'm, I'm, don't know much other than what I learned from you guys in the odd podcast that I, I listen to. So maybe we can like talk about um, currency uh, going from the fiat system, like how capitalism kind of wherever you guys want to start with, we can start with how capitalism got into currency and the advantages and future of it uh, going towards kind of a crypto direction. Um, I want to throw one little piece of moral pie in there too, um, because I'm probably the one resident guy on the table here who can be somewhat psychopathic when it comes to capitalism. (laughs) Um, there's There's a side of me that is... I'm all transparent and ready to talk about all of it, FYI. But at the end of the day, like when I think about my business, I tend to compartmentalize it. And then I tend to do what's best for my business, not necessarily best for anything else, Mm. right? And when I step out of that and then I step into a currency or an investment and get philosophical about it, somehow that breaks down. 
Right. And so I, you know, there's a psychopathic side of me. Mm. Well, there's just, <laughs> and, and there's, there's different, this, there's different subjectivities of, of, of money, of currency, of all things, of mm-hmm. what's good, what's wrong, what's bad. Like it might be one thing might be good for your business, but it could be bad for other things. Totally. So yeah. I think we can kind of start it with the lens of, uh, of, I mean, you guys can jump in where you want. You guys are the experts, and we're here to kind well, of listen. Experts and, 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 uh, uh, I would like to say financial advice. Hobby, <laughs> uh, I am not a subject matter expert on any of this. None of this is we're, financial advice. We're on chain. Yeah. We're on chain. In, this, in, this, in this conversation, I mean, I've got my piggy bank with my quarters and nickels. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I got mine uh, with my debt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, well, I, I think it is interesting, though. Like, to you know, for the two of you, right, uh, entrepreneur, business owner, and someone who's tied to like real estate like those are very real like we're talking like currency tied to the government with interest rates and all of the things that affect us when it comes down to just like paying employees and cvp and all of the minutiae of being involved in the kind of standard economy and yet both of you have taken an interest in crypto which is kind of like we could say it's like decentralized Mm -hmm. and it's a new way of exploring how to generate income and wealth and i think it's cool because lots of times you see people who are like maybe independently wealthy from something and then they just get interested in crypto and it's almost like a just like this curious hobby it's a grab right whereas like no this is something that we could actually like build and grow and potentially see like significant changes and so it's i think you have a unique perspective where you're tied in and participating fully in the system Mm -hmm. as we know it but are like seeing windows and glimpses into like what it could be and like for me that's what's interesting it's like okay what what is lighting you up on that side it's like well, I think it's important to sort of highlight that this is a very, what on face value seems like a simple question. Right. What is money? There's Robert Breedlove does a whole podcast and that is the title of the podcast. What is money? It's actually an incredibly complicated answer or mm-hmm. what is Bitcoin? Well, it's a multitude of things. It's not just a currency store value. I think if someone were to ask me who is say a, a, a noob who's like, I know nothing about it what is it? I would say, well, you know what? Money's a technology for the exchange of value. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is a better technology to do that with. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good, like, in my mind, a simple way of sort of initially kind of getting someone to wrap their head around what this new four, five, six dimensional world is mm-hmm. that that we're kind of now in. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a really good place to start. Um, why is it important? Um, I think I come at it from a perspective, which, I mean, I, I think everyone has their own unique perspective. My background, I'm, I'm of a Jamaican family. Um, it's an emerging market. Uh, my grandfather was the minister of agriculture, minister of security for Jamaica. And as we were immigrants to Canada, I'm, I'm the only one in my family born here, but all my brothers and sisters are born down there. I would go down, you know, one, two, three times a year down there. And, uh, my family has an interesting dynamic. My mom side comes from a very affluent part of Jamaica. My dad's side, not so affluent. So I got to experience these two kind of worlds growing up as a kid. And I didn't really, you know, people come here on vacation. Yay. This is kind of cool. We have drivers and, and housekeepers on my mom's side. And there's this other side of my, my family that just lived sort of a, a middle class life in Jamaica, which was equally as, as fantastic. It was just different, right? Um, and throughout my experiences going down there, what started to happen in Jamaica when I was a kid, uh, the Jamaican dollar was uh, one to six USD to Jamaican when I was going down when I was super young. Then over the course of this very small time frame, <clears throat> all of a sudden, 
it's one to 35 and then one to 75. And by the time I go down for Christmas that next year, it's one to a hundred. Um, I think it's just over one to a hundred now. And again, not living there and, and being a kid, not really understanding this, you know, I'm kind of cheerleading for Jamaica. I'm a fan of the country. What's going on here, right? And you learn about the IMF and the World Bank and, and um, uh, the U.S. and how all of these things are kind of interconnected and, and intertwined. And that's hard for somebody in Canada, which is a G7 country, to kind of wrap your head around. Because the only time in my lifetime that anyone in Canada has really even thought about inflation is or now. government spending <laughs> or or any of these topics is in since the pandemic happened mm -hmm. it's a very recent experience and this is the first taste of what countries around the world experience on the daily mm -hmm. for decades and decades and decades and they're mired in this sort of um imf world bank debt cycle that they just simply cannot get out of so people go to a place like jamaica and go well why can't the people here just pull up their socks yeah and what they don't realize is that there's a ton of external factors from globalization to the conditions under which these World Bank loans are, are issued. So uh, there's a really good documentary uh, out that you can look. It's on Amazon um, called Life and Debt. Stephanie Black and Jamaica Kincaid made this documentary that really encapsulates that, this. Uh, but I'll, I'll do the best for my life experience to kind of, you know, illustrate what happened here. And again, having my grandfather in politics, I got to see like a, a bit of a different world, right? So a country like Jamaica, it's like many other countries around the world, Argentina, Argentina has just gone through their election and they're experiencing, I think it's 143% inflation right now. So if you think we're experiencing inflation, it's completely bananas there right now. Or it's just further along. Yeah, well, I, and I think that that's the, where, what you can see now happening in Canada is a taste of things to come or or what could be i mean maybe maybe we escape it but uh, i don't know remains to be seen um but anyway what happens with an emerging market like like jamaica so jamaica goes to a country like the or goes to the imf or the world bank and says hey you know what we're a small country we just declared independence from uh, the commonwealth part of the decolonization post-world war ii that that england and the united states agreed upon for for uh, essentially bailing them out of world war ii and uh, Jamaica says, you know what? We need some money in order to kind of hit the ground running here and get ourselves set up. So they're like, okay, you know what? We want, let's make up some numbers. We want $10 billion loan for a highway or whatever it is. Okay, that's great. We'll give you that loan. Here's 420 conditions that you need to do in order for us to give you that loan. And you can put yourself in, in Jamaica shoes might be a good way to think about this. So if you go to the bank and you're going to get a loan, the bank will say, hey, I'll give you that loan for a car, but we're going to need you to eliminate all of your trade barriers. Jamaica is a small country. They grow bananas in Jamaica. They reduce their agricultural subsidies or eliminate them so that a, co a company like United Fruit Co., can then import bananas into Jamaica for way less than Jamaica can. And crush them. Um, yeah, it just crushes. There's there's places in Jamaica I would go to that were just banana plantations, as far as the eye could see, yeah. no longer exist down there because of this dynamic. And you can go through all the industries, dairy, carrots, onions. They're an agricultural country, right? Um, and it's because of these conditions that they're subject to. And at the end of the day, IMF, United States, World Bank, they don't, they don't really care. They're like, you know what? We, this is what we want. We want our businesses in there. We want to be able to sell to you. You are now our customer. You don't make any of this stuff yourselves. And uh, if you don't like it, we don't give you the loan. They don't have a choice. Right. These countries, poor countries do not have a choice. They get roped into these things. 
And um, <clears throat> now they're just forever caught in this debt cycle where they're spending their, their taxation base, can't even pay off the interest on the loan, let alone any of the principal of the loan. And that goes on for decades. Jeez. And that's what you see in all of, all of these countries. And recently, you've also seen countries like China coming into different countries and saying, hey, listen, we'll give you these huge loans, but yeah, now, we own, Beltways initiative. now we own your ports. Yeah, we own mm -hmm. your highway. They've done, they built the highway in Jamaica, same sort of thing. Yeah. The toll you have to pay with cash, by the way, in Jamaica. Interesting. Yeah. Um, What's it, the reason for that? I mean, what? That's just what they do. That's just the decision that was you made. You get out of your car, you walk in, you give them cash, and you go on the highway. And the highway's great yeah. from Montego Bay to... to um, to uh, Kingston. Right. It but just depends what you're pulling on the highway and how much money you have to pay the guy. That's uh, why it's all in cash. And there's pseudo dollarization there as well too. Like there is the Jamaican dollar, but then there's, um, you know, people trade in, in US dollars there yeah. as well too, right? Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, they're just struggling to keep their heads above water and, and, and feed themselves. And Jamaica doesn't make guns. So there's tons of guns in there. There's all sorts of destabilization that again, my family has personal experience with on my, from when my dad was in, in politics there back in, um, you know, the late 70s when we immigrated here. Jamaica was teetering on, and this was, you know, 60s, 70s, they were teetering on uh, social democracy. So they wanted to emulate kind of what Canada has going on. Now at the time, that's during the Cold War. Um, so that looks an awful lot like the the, the Red Scare and, yeah. and the veil of communism, right? Yeah. And... Um, you know, Pierre Trudeau came down and he had stayed at, at my, my grandfather's house down there because my grandfather had also fought in the Canadian Army in World War II. There was always this Canadian connection between yeah. Jamaica and Canada. Um, but they were sort of teetering on this. So the United States government in do, does what they do best and they destabilize sort of that movement towards that and they install um, people that they want that has a more like a Reaganomic sort of point of view on on the Jamaican economy and and no tariffs and bring bring in all of this sort of stuff. And they do that by sowing dissent. Now, this isn't um, unique to Jamaica. You see this in countries all over the world, right? The point is, is that um, it's impossible for these countries to get out of this because this is the system in which we live in, even here in Canada. We don't realize that we're on the other side of this conversation. So we're the beneficiaries of right. this, right? right? We're the ones that get cheap bananas and cheap shit from China that we don't need to be buying. So we've kind of been insulated from this. And and now that we've got a taste of this money printing and this inflationary environment, you know, it's new to people here, but this is the day-to-day -day life in Jamaica. And to get back to sort of the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, this is an out of that system mm. that uh, El Salvador is kind of leading the charge on that right now. I don't imagine Argentina will be far behind where they will start accepting it um, as a unit of exchange and or at the very least, um, they'll probably hold Bitcoin as a treasury uh, asset. Um, and this is a, a way out of this sort of macro global economic environment. Um, another example of, of this being relevant, and we want to rewind the clock, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind now, but Russia, Ukraine is a great example. It's the first time in, I don't know, in history, but in, in my lifetime where I've seen two countries go to war and the United States for the first time didn't just do sanctions against the country. They weaponized the financial system, by which I mean they shut off SWIFT network for wire transfers, MasterCard, Visa, all international exchange with Russia. 
all was the, essentially cut off. Same, all the companies couldn't operate there. Yep, none mm-hmm. of the companies could operate there. It's the first time, and and to me, that is a fundamental mistake that you, the United States made. I don't care what the there was always this sort of like agreement by which hey, we'll sanction this person, we'll sanction that company, but we're not gonna you know the global reserve currency, the United States, this entire economic system. We won't go there, and yeah. and and Russia Ukraine was the first time when they really they really did that, and um, that kind of scared me because to me that's really between that and the military that's all the United States has le- left. Um, I think what you're seeing is quite a, kind a, quite a military though. It is, but it's, what you're what you're witnessing is sort of an empire in decline, really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, there's a there's a bunch of countries, uh, BRICS nations, and 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 smaller countries that sort of looked at that and were like, wait a sec. If the United States can do that to the arguably the second or third superpower in the world that's nuclear armed, what are they going to do if Jamaica comes along and they don't agree with whatever the United States' policy du jour is? What are they going to do to Mexico, Egypt, India? Like any of these other countries don't stand a chance. Right. So basically, there's a bunch of countries that were kind of like, well, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe we need to start looking at alternatives other than this U.S. dollar right. reserve currency, um, and so you see them kind of bandying together. And, and the, the BRICS nations are there. I think it's something like sixty countries have now uh, signed on to potentially join the BRICS nations. Whether that becomes what, a thing are, or what not. What are the BRICS nations? Just uh, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia just joined. Am I missing anyone? No, that's that's the major. So, oh, South Africa as and, well too. And what does that stand for? What BRICS. Those those countries. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an act. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're talk me through this. Yeah. So yeah, they got into the one more time. Yet. Yeah. So they're <laughs> they're st- they're starting to explore uh, ideas of okay, let's start exchanging things in our own currencies. Right, right. Or is there a, they're they're toying around with coming up their version of the euro essentially, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, ultimately, if you were to be in say Dash in my space. We think that will be an exercise in futility and everyone's going to land on something like Bitcoin, likely probably Bitcoin for any sort of um, international treasury asset like that, perhaps an international unit of exchange and currency. Maybe there are other ones. Stable coins have a use case as well, too. Um, But that sort of thing is percolating right now under the seams. And a lot of this stuff, look, unless you're super like into this and nerding out on it, it's completely out of sight, out of mind. Right. How does that affect my daily life? But most people will say, why should I care? But I think I think we can kind of get there now because for the first time in a long time, we didn't know how it affected our life. Whereas you walk in and pay, you know, nineteen dollars for a Big Mac down in the States now, you realize inflation's real. Yeah. Well, I went to NW with my boys yesterday. Two like Beyond Burger combos, thirty six dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Just you think- like you could go to Body Energy Club or the juice truck and get Exactly, like a healthy meal for cheaper than so, NW. Yeah. Get this it, down it, in the, down in the states, McDonald's raised their prices, right? Because Biden raised minimum wage, right? Right. That's a whole other conversation, but that cost got passed right down to the end consumer, and in one quarter, McDonald's grows six point six billion in revenue on top of their previous quarter. Not one sort of single bite eh, out of their sales, right? Because there isn't anywhere cheaper either. And McDonald's knows that. There's a fun. Yeah, uh, they're still the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but they've moved it up. Yeah. There's right. an inflationary chart, I believe, that charts the price of a Big Mac it used over, to be 53 over cents the, or something. Over the yeah. however many decades it is. Yeah. And, and uh, 
Yeah, but it's, it, a, it's a funny analogy. Well, you guys, I think, Rick, you... Um, I'll let you guys keep going because I'm enjoying listening to this. But I think, Rick, you said this to me like years ago when you were kind of talking me through this, uh, just like you explained what bricks was um, a minute ago <laughs> to simple, simple minds like myself. Um, like you were talking about like uh, a piece of bread, you know, cost a dollar. But with inflation, you know, you're spending a dollar and, and all of a sudden, you know, that same piece of bread is is a dollar twenty, dollar thirty, dollar forty. And when you're getting paid a dollar, it's not actually a dollar because of you know when you set that uh what you're talking about is 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 currency degradation yeah yeah or lo- you explain this better for loss of <laughs> loss of purchasing power is a better way of like yes. conceptualizing what inflation is because inflation gets tricky and yeah they manipulate the the cpi indexes and all all those sorts, well, sorts of things political but, basket you want it to yeah, be in if you were to think of yeah. think of it this way two years ago if you had a thousand dollars cash and you yeah. kept that thousand dollars cash today that thousand dollars cash is roughly seven hundred and fifty dollars right today mm-hmm. so that's you've, what, you've lost <laughs> you've lost yeah you've lost purchasing power um, and a lot of these things where we're talking about sort of, oh, the prices are going up. These are nominal figures, right? right. So they're relative in if, a sense. If our dollar rose with this, then it would still be in equal value, but it's but it's not. But it can't. Yeah, it can't. We're, yeah, right. we're, so it, if you go back and look at currency at like in like the Roman ages, right. right? When you actually had a silver coin, right? If you look at like, you know, 300 years in that period, those silver coins went from being fully silver to then silver plated to then being chipped away to the point where there was nothing but just plated metal and that is that's your currency just deflating over time right it's it's getting to a point where it's getting worthless more and more and more because more and more gets printed and this is an inflationary system so it doesn't matter if it's gold bars if it's paper money if it's an inflationary based system it's going to inflate. It's the only way the system works. Mm-hmm. And so when we have problems, we just turn on the printers. And right. But what that does is push us ever so much closer to the toppling of empires. Because cur- the first thing that topples an empire is the currency, mm. right? It's if, if, if I can't buy a loaf of bread or it costs me $1,000 to buy a loaf of bread, and then tomorrow it's $1,500 to buy a loaf of bread, you're gonna have revolt. Yeah, that's what leads to it. Like as of today, what's going on in Argentina? Because the and Argentina, Argentina, sorry, I I believe is the 23rd largest economy in the world. If you get paid today, you immediately take your paycheck, you cash that paycheck and you gather one, two, three, four people from your family and you go spend that money immediately. Because by tomorrow morning, your currency would have devalued by, I think, something roughly like 18%. That's awful. So you're immediately going out and buying whatever you can because your currency has has just gone crazy. Argentina used to be one of the richest countries in the world, heavy commodity based. So a lot of this, uh, Alex Gladstein does, a, does a, a decent enough job about explaining sort of the IMF and the World Bank and, and money printing, but he often uh, sort of touches on the fact that while dictators love uh, uh, money printing and 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 you know that they're the ones that are are benefiting and reaching out to. I would posit that Jamaica is democratically elected since the day I was born, since the day it's existed. There are no dictators. The exact same thing is happening in those countries, um, and the exact same thing could happen here. Yeah. And Canadians are kind of walking around, going, "Well, 
everything's okay, right? And you kind of, everyone has like that fake smile on their face, like yeah, where you yeah. purse your lips or you see someone in the elevator and you're kind of like, hey, that's called how stress. you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the inside, you're kind of like, we're going to be okay, right? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. It's, it's yeah. that burning dog meme, right? Where he's like in the fire and he's like, this is okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fine. Exactly. It's like, just how fine are things going to get? Yeah. I heard some people talking the other day and it made me think like just the idea of like a thousand dollars, you know, today in this time next year is not a thousand dollars. And taking it kind of even one step further in this traditional system that we're, we're kind of still in and talking about the idea of like, we were always told save your money, right? Put it in a bank, high interest savings account, right? The bank will look after it. You'll earn some interest. And then like, if you actually crunch the numbers, you're like, wow, I'm earning nothing, but it's still better than like putting it under my mattress. But now we're experiencing the reality that like putting money in the bank, this good practice that we've all been taught as kids have a savings account it's actually doing the same thing like our money that we're putting in to to increase in value is actually still depreciating the easiest way to kind of look at the value of money is to look at something like the s p 500 and look at the return it does in one year and that's your cost of money okay right like mm. honestly speaking you know people ask me you know what's the rate of inflation well how much did it cost to buy a house two years ago that's your true rate of inflation. Right. It's not the CPI basket that I decide one day has fuel in it and then the next day it doesn't. These problems are systemic and that's yeah. <clears throat> that's why something like uh, Bitcoin or, or um, digital currencies have an opportunity to kind of change this. And and there's countless examples. Um, one of them that, that I, I think is not necessarily unique, nor is it my idea, but it's interesting to go um, think about our government um, uh, maybe three or four months ago was championing the fact that we were donating $9 billion to a foreign war. Okay. Now as a Canadian taxpayer, I have no say in that. Mm -hmm. They've just decided to take $9 billion from us and, uh, and go and spend it. And I fundamentally agree. Look, if Canada is going to go to war, then that war should be crowdfunded. Like if they want to, if it's a just cause and they present an argument for that, then perfect. Is there a way that we can chip in in order to support the troops and support this cause? Because I also believe that XYZ were never afforded that opportunity, right? Same goes to your highway conversation with Jamaica, for example. Instead of taking a loan from the International Monetary Fund, why not crowdsource? If everybody wants this highway because it's going to create a much better environment for all of us to operate in, decentralize. Yeah. And but the other side of that as well too is they we have nine billion dollars for this foreign project let's call it without getting uh, too political about it yet in British Columbia I have no family doctor <laughs> one in five people in BC have no family doctor I don't either and there are people right? there are people not far from here who don't have clean drinking water That's, I know yeah. well and and here's the thing right like so the 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 governments that are there now and in part the 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 corporate media kind of wants you to like it's it's almost i forget whether it's uh, 1984 or whether it's i think it's 1984 where it's like don't believe your eyes right driving into vancouver yesterday going over the oak street bridge into vancouver there is now a tent city in that clover that was never there in the 40 years that i've been here you drive out to abbotsford sorry 20 years that i've been here um you drive out going towards uh abbotsford sort of out that way in the middle of the Trans-Canada Highway, between the median, there's a tent city there. That was never there. Yeah. Like, those are real things that are happening around you. And it's almost like they nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to go, hey, we're not on the right path here. 
like mm-hmm. and 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 money for all of this other stuff when there should be priorities here and there's opportunities within Canada you know we were sort of briefly talking about the oil sands and and if you wanted to shut that down and and as far as the green green movement goes then that's great but where are you going to get your oil from you're going to go get it from Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. like their human rights record is atrocious are you gonna is buy that it? a fair exchange are you gonna or buy could it back we, from the states yeah exactly like or a- can we use our own resources and and kind of be in control of that for a transitionary uh, a transition to the green economy Canada's 2% of global emissions. Yeah. Even if we eliminate all of our global emissions tomorrow, we are not the problem right. with regards to climate change. Yeah. Should we do our best? Right. Yes. Do we have the ability and the resources in order to be part of the solution? Unequivocally, we do. But there's a better way to do it than just blocking traffic and saying shut down this and turn off that, whatever, because it, those aren't viable options. Mm-hmm. And we have better solutions that are... What's interesting too, Rick, is when you, you bring up, you know, like sending $9 billion to somewhere we also don't know what happens to that nine billion when it lands there right where does it go i mean you know as well as i do that the ukrainian government despite you know maybe their position fighting against russia are also known to be one of the most corrupt yeah uncomfortable in, truth you know yeah and we're giving billions and billions and billions of dollars there with a cryptocurrency you know you would be able to tell where those funds are going to in terms of which wallets they're hitting now who owns those wallets is up for debate, right? But if you're going to be a country that's moving money through a system that can be, that's on a ledger, then you have an idea of where this money is going, how it's getting deployed and, and, and how quickly. Whereas right now we're putting a lot of faith in Zelensky. <laughs> and I mean a lot, right? And so it's a, it's a very imperfect world yeah. in that respect. Um, and I don't think the world is also ready for, for Bitcoin yet. But, you know, whether you listen to Mark Moss or whether you listen to Robert Breedlove or Michael Saylor, when it comes to these cryptocurrencies and and Bitcoin, at least in my mind in particular, you get the price you deserve. And so, you know, if you think that the way things are going now is going to pan out okay, then Bitcoin cryptocurrency is probably not your thing. If you don't believe in what's going to in, in the way things are unfolding right now, it's probably a really good hedge against that, right? Yeah. Well, let's get into that. How the the future of of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, digital currency, um, how it can be a solution to some of these global issues, some of these these national issues, some of these local community issues, kind of use cases, uh, how it can be applied, um, and just kind of like explaining the notion of decentralization just in case that concept is is new for anybody listening well decentralize just just to make it a layman's term here what you're listening to right now is decentralized media so it's the same idea just with your bank account right so you know to put it back into into people's everyday lives we give so much power to a very small select few individuals who get to decide whether the interest rates get turned up or turned down, whether they decide to print 200 billion or $400 billion, then they decide how they get to give it away. That doesn't sound like democracy to me at all. Right. And so I, I I think what we're starting to experience for the first time is people, and especially with uh, social media and our, our connectivity or how we're connected these messages pass far faster than they used to now, right? I mean, the major run on Silicon Valley Bank down in the States last year, or was it this year? I think it was this year. I can't remember. Anyways, that 
that was a $40 billion run on a bank in a, in a matter of a week because of social media. If you go back in time, you go back 50 years, for example, and a run on a bank would mean you'd be lined up around, the teller would slowly hand out the money and then they would close it down, right? And they would slow down those run on banks. But now with digital money, I can wire my money out in a minute and I can cause the collapse of a financial institution overnight. Yeah, because there's no proof of reserves. That's right. And that's like they, what, don't, they don't actually have your money, right? And I know you'd kind of touched on this as well system, too, but, right? but um, I forget who it was. I think Dean, you might have mentioned like you know, our responsibility to put our money in our bank accounts. Most people don't know that when you when you deposit money into a bank, you are essentially giving the bank a loan. Purchasing power. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> then they take that money and they're allowed to lend out a certain um, exponential percentage of whatever it is that you deposited. Now, you're giving the bank a loan and in your high interest account, 0.5%, 1%, they determine the rate. You don't get to go to the bank and go, hey, I'll give you this deposit if, yeah. but I'm going to charge you 5%. Now, when you go to the bank that you've given your deposit to and you want a loan, what's the rate on that loan, right? Does especially any especially of this right seem, now. Does say. any of this seem like remotely fair? But this is one of those things, whether it's the banking industry or whether it's even our electoral system that we just, or paying for parking, which is another one of my pet peeves. Oh, yeah. But um, we take it for granted just because it's there and we don't question, well, wait a sec, what's going on here? is there a better way to do this? And it's not in their interest for them to offer a better way to do it because the status quo is how they're making millions of dollars. I went and did a wire transfer today at, um, at RBC and they literally gave me a, uh, I'm like, oh, can I, can I get a receipt? Yep, and he had a carbon copy. And I said to him, oh, you're still, you're still doing carbon copies. Like, did I travel back in time when I came in here? And he's like, no, well, you know, it probably in joking, not joking. He's like, well, it probably cost him a billion dollars in order to just get rid of the, the carbon copies. And I said, yeah, it's like turning a battleship probably. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, that is kind of what it would be like in order to kind of implement that across all of RBC. Right. And I'm, and I'm like, well, they made 5 billion last year. So it's not like they don't have the money in order to do that. It's just, it's a legacy institution that in order for it to change will need to be forced. Whereas this new world that's emerging of digital finance is fast. It's nimble. It's there. And Ironically, you, you bring up Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Everyone was sort of um, talking about the, the collapse of that bank and uh, it going through bankruptcy. One of the terms of its bankruptcy, they had a uh, 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 instant um, real-time transaction network called Signet, um, which is a threat to the, the FedNow system that had come out, which is their real-time settlement one of the terms and conditions under the, the collapse of that bank was that Signet was not part of the acquisition if somebody wanted to acquire that bank. And it's like, well, why? That's their most That's the valuable yeah. asset. Yeah. In any other bankruptcy that in the history of the world, your most valuable asset is your most valuable asset, you would be required to go like, here, we need to get as much money back as we can. Yeah. On this Signet item. was completely off the table. Right, Everything, everything's going on the table. You don't get a hold yeah. back, yeah. So if you, if you don't, wow. if, you, if you, you know, and it sounds conspiratorial to say that, oh, there's collusion amongst these institutions and all this sort Not of stuff. chance, I mean, they're all there to collude. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. You don't need to dig too deep and to go, well, wait a minute, the math on that doesn't make sense. Well, what's like, the mortgage rate at RBC? What's the mortgage rate at BMO? What's the mortgage rate at TD? They're all within 0.2 of each other. Yeah. So you didn't, can't tell me it's not collusion. Everyone's price protecting, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, if it's just the a reality. 
I mean, here's the other thing with inflation. You go back two years and you look at the housing industry, for example, and I remember in March when everything died and everyone was buying booze and toilet paper. And then the next month, interest rates dropped to, like, I think it was a negative percentage initially, and then it bumped up to basically free money. And then it was 0.25, 0.5, right? It was really, really cheap. Well, anyone who's got kind of any sound understanding of how the current financial markets work went and grabbed as much cash as they possibly could because it was as cheap as they were ever going to get it. The government was literally printing it and handing it out. And then they, the forward guidance from the bank was, hey, we're not going to raise rates for till the end of 2023. I still remember that. Mm. Here we are. <laughs> but yeah. ne- never, never mind. Smart people who understand that fiscal policy went and grabbed that money and dumped it into an asset right away because they knew inflation was coming. So the smart people look back. Maybe they picked up a history book. Maybe they read some Ray Dalio and they figured out exactly what happened the last time we were in a scenario like this. Look at what happened to property prices in 1970 or maybe a hundred grand for a house, right? Interest rates are still 18%. They went down. Where are we at now? The average price, 1.2 million. It's huge, right? So when you look at what smart people did, they went and took that money, bet against the system, right? They knew that the inflation was going to take place. What's going to rise faster than than the fall of my currency is putting it into an asset. I don't like the term like smart people because at that time, what also was going on was there was a narrative that was put out. Rick, I did say I was a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but there was there was a look uh, for our mortgage, for example. Uh, I talked to three different mortgage brokers, mm-hmm. and they were all repeating the talking points from say you know Dave McKay at RBC, where oh we're not going to increase interest rates, like blah 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 blah. So the information that people were getting, they were being bombarded with it of at the time. Well, what, oh, do, you, what not, do you think the government wanted? Not, nothing to see here, move along. So in order for someone to realistically have the the courage, the wherewithal to sort of push back against that um, would have been very difficult in those first, say, six months of the pandemic. Where for me, it started to really kind of um, take effect was we were negotiating our, we, we negotiate uh, contracts for blueberries, cups, lids, straws, all of that stuff a year in advance. And by... October, November 2020 into the pandemic, we were already seeing double digit price increases on our stuff. And I remember calling you, Zach, and being like, hey, it, like it's coming. The, the, like this is a real thing in the Bitcoin space. They front run all of these topics and issues. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not on Bitcoin Twitter, get on it because everything that that the normal that is going to happen six they months, 12 it. months they from now, they're already talking about it now. Yeah. They, they, they see it coming. And this was a huge, huge topic at the time. Um, but it's, it's just, to, I think it's a little unfair to just to be like, well, the smart people did X, Y, Z when it's just a relentless sort of, if you reached out to any mortgage broker, they were going to tell you these verbatim, what I was told, mm-hmm. uh, even if the fed raises the rate 0.25% every two months for the next two years, you're going to be better off staying in your variable where you are right now. And just so you know, in the history of uh, the Bank of Canada, they have never increased 0.25% every two months for two years. So you're good. Stay where you are. Sit. That was the narrative that yeah. was out there. And that's why a lot of people are, are are stuck now, right? So I think where I was going with smart people is the how they deployed that that loan, 
right? So if you went and got really cheap money and then you put it into an asset that grew by 30% and you're looking at, you know, the cost of that money has gone from, what's well, gone up 1,600% now. So the chances of you grabbing that asset now are gone completely. Right, no. That's kind of what I meant is that it was a once in a pandemic life opportunity mm. to grab money at that price. No. And that's what happened. Had you had you bought Bitcoin right before the pandemic as well too, you would have been on the bull run up to seventy thousand, right? So, yep. So, which yep. is funny because right now, I mean, a lot of people, I've seen this life cycle like in in the Bitcoin space, which I pay the most attention to, but in the in the crypto space in general, where there's naysayers and people that will that will shit on it as funny internet money for nerds, right. um, <laughs> and then you know a bull cycle will come and then it will capture the imagination of a bunch of other people. And they'll buy at the top and then they'll get burned and then they'll be like, ah, you know, whatever. And then another bull run will come and it will exceed that previous price point. And they're like, man, I should have stuck with it. Like I did that. That's my lived experience. There's a bunch of other, like pretty much everybody has that kind of, I should have bought when. And again, this is not financial advice. All I'm telling you is what I see is I see a pre-pandemic situation here. We have global economic uncertainty. We have foreign war. We have inflation. We have a presidential cycle. And we have the Bitcoin halving coming up. And the spot uh, ETF and BlackRock. Yeah. All of these things are coalescing around the same time. So, you know, I'm not making any price predictions. There are people out there who are saying price X and price Y. I would stay away from anything like that. Yeah. But it, I think it was um, Bitcoin Magazine did like this little interview out on the street where they were walking up to people. And, oh, have you heard of Bitcoin? Have you bought any Bitcoin? And they were showing how many people didn't know anything about it it's still very much the first inning oh, very in, in so. all of this. So for people that feel as though they've missed out, yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's never been a better time to buy. Again, that's not financial advice. Mm -hmm. I feel as though I keep needing to, to double down on that. Um, but it's true. I mean, global adoption is on, is on the uptick. And, and you were asking about use cases, and I'll spit some out at you right now. We talked about emerging markets where their currencies, for lack of a better term, fucked. Um, and this is a, a unit of exchange. We've hired developers in, say, Nigeria to do web stuff for us. Faster, cheaper, better use of money for us to pay them in Bitcoin than it is for us to uh, to pay them in USD or anything like that. And you have to send it to a weird bank account. It gets Wires, fees. Um, Jamaica is another like good example. <laughs> or the Philippines, whose number one export is labor. So anytime you have a Filipino nanny or going to Tim Hortons or anything like that, globally, their number one export is people, which is weird. They need to send money back to their country. They do it through Western Union and all these intermediaries that have all of these fees. Yeah. Um, our um, Lisa, who works for us in Jamaica, her son's up here in Canada and he does uh, uh, work in Southern Ontario on the farms. So I was asking her, you know, how much money does he send back from there? He sends $100 a week. How much does it cost? It costs him $10. That's 10% that goes to just some Western Union, you know, a bunch of intermediaries, the bank, they all take a bite out of that. Um, in order to send her down, um, send her money down in, in Jamaica. El Salvador, by adopting Bitcoin, their estimate, again, as an emerging company, they were going to save $400 million a year in remittances, or what those are called for, for Canadians who aren't necessarily familiar with that process, but $400 million a year just by switching those remittances to Bitcoin. Think of what a country like El Salvador can do with $400 million a That's year. That's wild. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Another use case um, that just came up recently was there's, and this is in your world, Dash, um, gentleman owns five properties, sells them all here in Canada, needs to move the money from here back to another country. 
way easier for him to convert it to USDT um, or USDC, send that stable coin back to his country, and it's at a fraction of the price. Yeah. It's an exotic currency. There'd probably be like a 5% exchange rate. Even if your financial institution says, oh, it's a free transaction, it's hedged into the exchange rate that you're getting. The exchange rate on an exotic currency would you know, be two, three, four, five percent If you were to use a stable coin, you're talking 0.5%. Right. These, are, these are big, big yeah. numbers. Yeah, for, when, you, when you're moving a lot of money, that adds up really quickly. 100%. Even when yeah. you're moving a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah. even the $100. It just say depends what be. you can do with it, yeah. Right? Yeah. wherever so, it's going. So to simplify things, you're shifting a power system from the banks, from the governments to individuals. It's sovereignty. Yeah, right. And self like why, why does the government have a monopoly on money? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why can't I? And with this world, I try to explain this to my brother who's like 10 years older than me and he, it's still, it's, it's tough, right? I mean, he's, I'm 45, he's 55, so he's not that old, but um, it, it's kind of like you are your own bank. Like that's another way to look at sort of self-sovereignty, self-custody, you are your own bank. You don't need any of that mm-hmm. anymore for the most part, or we're moving into that system whereby you don't need the traditional legacy financial institutions that are charging you 30 bucks a month for your unlimited account and all these sort of little fees. And it, it's an industry that's intentionally opaque as well too, which kind of bothers me. It's intentionally crafted to be confusing. So you can't, you think you understand it, but you don't. Oh, and then they change the rules or change the interest rate. Yeah, like money like, oh. should be pretty simple. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, when you when you have a finite supply of anything, it doesn't get very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's going to be tough, particularly in, the, say, a G7 country like Canada to knock out the incumbents. Um, it's going to be more like tipping over a vending machine. It's going to have to be rocked back and forth a little bit before you can finally flip it over. You'll see this industry, and you're already seeing it. It's really expanding in the countries that need it most. Mm-hmm. Like 70% of people in Jamaica are unbanked, meaning they don't have... A bank account yeah like but, that's but they might have a cell phone common. though that's or, common in 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 um yeah but the, but everyone has a cell phone that's, yeah. that's so you, fundamentally so you, true so, so you, you can have could, a digital currency exactly right yeah, yeah, we, d- yeah. we did see one example here in canada i was listening to um uh rfk robert kennedy on uh some podcast uh, i think it was rick rubin's podcast and and uh i mean we don't have to get into the political sides of this but there was the the uh the freedom convoy of the truckers to uh, Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, Easily to, dismissed if you call it a trucker convoy because yeah. everybody thinks a bunch of rednecks yes. or whatever. So that's in, that's yeah. not by accident. But yes. Yeah. So we've got this this group of people that go to protest uh, at the capital in Canada and in, in Ottawa against the government. And I um, mean, you guys can explain it better, but basically there, uh, there was a GoFundMe, all this money was raised and the money was rescinded by the, the government basically and people's bank accounts were frozen. So like, so their went- bank accounts are frozen. They couldn't pay their mortgages. Their credit cards are frozen. Mm-hmm. GoFundMe froze the money on behalf of the government. So you have that third party intermediary there mm-hmm. that just decided to acquiesce to the government. There was another fundraising company that did the same and there was one, the name's escaping me, that actually told him to beat it. Right. There was one Canadian uh, fundraising company that said, no, no thanks. So but this, and I just want to qualify yeah, yeah, your yeah. point here because it's important that a lot of people at the time would have looked at that protest yes, and been like trucker convoy rednecks. That is not the point. Yes. The point isn't whether you agree or disagree with whatever they were protesting. It's what happened. That protest <laughs> could have very well have been black lives matter. It could have been uh, anti or pro abortion 
Like pick could it, your could have been anything. Pick your flavor of whatever yeah. your cause is, and that yeah. protest could have been that. And if that was in counter to what the government wanted, then that's your bank account that's frozen. That's your mortgage payment. That's your finances. You're now on trial for for all of these sort of things because you dissented from the government. And, and I fundamentally Canada. And this happened in Canada. Yeah. This isn't. This is a banana. That's a banana republic thing. I went to uh, Bitcoin Miami that following year. So that would have been May 2021, I guess. And Canada was the laughing stock of the Miami conference. There's more than one people. And as a Canadian, you know, it was kind of like hurt feelings, but I'm like, oh, they're not wrong. Like right. it was super weird to see a conference with tens of thousands of people. Did you apologize Peter Thiel. as a Canadian? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, eh? I'd, I'd, I'd Sorry about that, eh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, there's a, there's a bunch of speakers who are there who, you, you know, you, it's just it's a, an interesting group of people from all walks of life, everyone from Francis Ngannou to Peter Thiel. Cool. All of these varying speakers are there. And Canada was a joke there because of, of this, um, this incident. And, and a like, lot of people. What would you do if that happened to you? Because if you had you had a belief system that was exactly. in opposition, like yeah. it's like if you kind of pick apart and rewind it. Uh, I'll let you keep going, but it's just like if we can apply yourself. Like I believe this, the government disagrees. All of a sudden, your your bank is frozen because well, you it's, have, it's that's a, that's that is authoritarian creep, yeah. without a doubt. And I wouldn't even say creep. That is overt authoritarianism. Yes, and uh, and that happened in this country, and and a lot of people. Still don't quite brush it off because of uh, language that we applied because we wanted to be divisive and politicized it, uh, right? Kind of other group of people and be like, it became about vaccinations and not about freezing bank accounts. Yes, right. And and like that's a scary thing, Um, because what Rick is talking about. I mean, if I have a disagreement with you, Zach, and you don't agree with me, I shouldn't have the right to come and take your bank account Mm. until you agree with me. Mm -hmm. That's. Or how about until there's like a trial well, and yeah. like there's, there's due process and all of, and all of those kind of things. Like there was none of that. Well, that's what I mean. And it was, it was, it was terrifying in so, many ways. So this is like, I guess the point I was trying to make, this is where you see value in Bitcoin cryptocurrency because it doesn't depend on the government or the, exactly. the big bank. So yeah. these, these people that had their bank accounts frozen that can no longer take care of their children, pay their mortgages. Like if you kind of see it on that individual level of like, fathers and mothers that can't pay for diapers or food it starts to be very no. scary you know yeah. peer-to-peer uh immutable money is what it is and yeah. here's a, here's another sort of more real world analogy there was a moment uh in the pandemic when and i don't know if you guys remember this but you were not supposed to not allowed to leave your health district right. so there was a, there was a period in the pandemic where you weren't allowed to go from vancouver coastal health into fraser valley now it's a good segue to talk about central bank digital currencies because a lot of people go, oh, well, my money's digital right now, isn't it, with the bank? And it's like, that's not, it's not to the degree that a central bank digital currency is, which is arguably the second most dangerous thing ever invented by mankind other than nuclear Bond. weapons. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. The real world example of that would be if you disagreed with whatever the government was, you needed to go see your grandma, your grandpa, your parents, your kids, pick up, drop off, whatever. Um, and this happens in China, social credit scores. If you were to go from Vancouver Coastal Health into Fraser Health, they could turn your money off with a central bank digital currency on your phone yeah. or on your wallet because they would know via geolocation on your phone that you're outside of where you're supposed to be. Therefore, 
you can't spend any of your money. Or I don't like Rick buying smoothies anymore. Exactly. So I'm going to bankrupt Rick's business. Oh, you bought three pizzas this month. And this all sounds crazy when you're talking about it now. Yeah. But rewind the clock to the beginning of of the pandemic. And now it's funny because there's like this interesting retrospective going on for a lot of people with the pandemic Mm. with regards to how all of that was handled and how necessary everything was and like why were we doing like vaccine passports and uh oh you can take your mask off at the table while you're eating but if you get up to go to the bathroom then you got to put your mask on and oh but remember the pandemic went away at like 9 p.m every night that's right Right? yeah yeah and there was the footloose (laughs) bylaw where bars weren't allowed like to open after 10 and all this all this nonsense there was a moment where in federal so there was no longer you didn't have to wear masks anymore Mm -hmm. but in federal buildings you were still required so i remember going to the airport one day to fly home i think it was for my dad's funeral I remember walking into the airport and, and everyone was wearing a mask and I was like, oh, you know, and it, I didn't really even think about it. And I had uh, uh, one of the ushers or whatever, whatever the retirees are that work there in the green vests yeah. uh, come up and go, oh, sir, here's a mask. You need to put that on. I'm like, what do you mean? And uh, not, not being not being rude about it or anything, um, but I was like, what, uh, what do you mean? And like, oh, it's mandatory in federal buildings. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you, sir. And I just walked away and I'm like, oh, apparently COVID loves federal buildings. Like, is that what we're... Well, also, we're, remember, we're those, remember those testing sites that were in every one of those airports and who had the contract and, you know, yep. how was that signed? Yeah. You know, where did, where did all that money go, yeah. right? Yeah. We created, we spent, what did we spend? $45 million on an Arrive Can app that 54 or and now they're now they're investigating and finding out what a little yeah, scam be, that thing because was. a developer literally could have built that for 100 grand and so, for context like it, and for the listeners like uh, you're talking to somebody who's triple vaxxed i followed all the rules yeah me too we spent over like uh you know i want to say one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the stores for the acrylic between the cash and I the know, customers saying, where's all that going now right we we march we fought what do we need to do to get out of, okay so originally the story was we're going to be locked down for two weeks then yes. that becomes a month then that becomes whatever and then you're in for a penny you're in for a pound yeah. we'll take the 20 grand we'll take the 40 grand we'll take the bdc 100 grand whatever it is oh when we get to um 60 70 percent vaccination then we'll be back to business well all of a sudden that's not good enough now everyone's got to be like well hold on though rick because it goes beyond that because then your competitors went well shit if rick takes that 40 grand from bdc i better take 40 grand from bdc just so i can compete with rick and then what happens to prices and what happens to competition then what happens to wages it all trickles down Mm. and everything becomes more expensive because now i can spend more right i can go further into debt i can create more leverage bigger problems and here we are going back the other way right now and i don't know if you guys know this but um you know global uh i think it was global news not global news uh, the global mail reported that west bank they're having huge financial trouble because of cross collateralization that's been confirmed now because they issued a very angry uh, they did center development there's a lot going on i mean listen if if i had my back up against the wall and i was trying to defend everything i'm building yeah, I, I would be handing out nasty letters too, trying to calm this down. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're trying to build too much too quickly and you're moving money around that you don't have, but that's that's a that's a like a that's spotlighting what's going on in smaller businesses too. Mm-hmm. Like smaller businesses are doing that just to try and survive. Yeah, of course, right? I mean, and my and sister has. Te- if you like don't, if you fixed don't, income people, teachers it, coming into her coffee shop, and they're like, my mortgage is up thirty percent. Well, if you don't take like, the loan. 
then you'll go out of business because your competitor will crush you. So you, you have to take the loan just so you can compete. And now you're further in debt and then the interest rate goes up. Now you can't pay it back. So what happens? You die anyways. Mm. It's, this, it's it, not a system that works. It's good to, I think, as a practice to try to like unravel these thoughts. Like Dean and I will often do it in more like woo-woo things. Like we'll get into pyramids or we'll get into water or we'll get into like, you know, grounding or like, you know, quite alternative like health things. But I think if we can apply the same curiosity and questioning yeah. and apply it to the things that are actually, uh, not to say that those things don't, uh, you know, improve our lives, but we all rely on these these systems, um, banking, government. And I think this, the representation that is, is piquing my curiosity right now is this decentralization of power and allowing that sovereignty that you spoke of and but don't think that won't come without a fight, just FYI. Yeah, and I'm yeah. seeing it in other systems too. Like uh, I really like this guy, Jack Cruz. I don't know if you guys have listened to him, but he's he's a Bitcoiner and he's kind of leading the 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 charge of decentralizing medicine. He's this like brilliant doctor that came a, from- He was a brain surgeon. Brain yeah. surgeon yeah, that comes fantastic. from the traditional system and he's like on, on uh, a mission to decentralize medicine and make it like- accessible through one Bitcoin, but also through that practice of, of changing power systems from hospitals and universities to You mean between, the, between the, Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, and Moderna? And just the scientific <laughs> practice. How, how there's, no, there's no influence in the centralization yeah. there. I mean, those are all the guys that produce the vaccines for the entire world. It's so funny because right? we're like four yeah. guys that have all, we're good boys and got our vaccines, but we're yeah. like well, we're all, all, we're, all in agreement and questioning things. And yeah, like, because I think we were, we were misled. Yeah. Largely. And so yeah. then if you've been misled around one topic and mm. you start opening your can of worms on currency, then you start opening it on health and you start looking at, there's a lot of things. Well, I mean, I think health gets into that. Like we were all pushed to to follow the mandates and 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 take these these vaccines or or whatnot. But there was no language or education about being a healthy person. No, there was yeah, zero. Yeah. And from people who were in the healthcare industry, yes. there was zero conversation early in the pandemic. There was some numbers that were out, and I'll probably misquote them now. But within months, they were doing numbers on vitamin D deficiency and fatality rates within something like 84, 86%. No conversation about that. Mm -hmm. No conversation about working out, losing weight, obesity, any of those things. It was just all about the vaccines. And I, and I, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to relitigate the pandemic. Yeah, we but, don't need to. Yeah. I think I, we're just making a point that yeah. we can take from a micro, I mean, it wasn't a micro incident, but we can take from one situation and kind of macro it out to how we live yeah. our lives and how we look yeah the, cur the curtain in, in in totality was sort of raised yeah, yeah. by the pandemic and questioning all of these sort of institutions and the quote-unquote experts like i remember god bless her bonnie henry you'd get up there and she'd give her lovely speeches and i'm yeah. sure she's a lovely lady and she had her picture yeah. in gastown and that's all great you know bonnie henry isn't she's not an economist yeah like so they're making they're at the time they're making all of these sort of sweeping uh you know, health decisions that had vast and sustaining, echoing repercussions economically that were not made by anyone who knows anything about the economy and <laughs> finance or anything like but that. But then you had the guys in finance going, hold on a sec, you're going to do what? Yeah. Well, I, I got to move some money <laughs> yeah. because that's what happened. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like we, I think that we all 
you know, from, from our perspective now, we can look back and I think it's very normal and natural and like good to ask questions and be like, okay, was that the best decision? And it's easy to armchair things on this side of history. It's like important too to remember, like we were all trying to figure out like what was going to be the best play and, you know, nobody wants to do the thing that's going to negatively affect your community and this and that. And I think that it was that balancing act of like, okay, what's going to be the best for people's overall health and save the most lives, but also at what cost? And like we disrupted the economy and then there was the things that we know were directly linked, like other health outcomes, right? We always heard about mental health, anxiety, depression, suicide. Oh my gosh! All of these, all the and And all the like comorbidities that that we knew contributed to direct, you know, loss of life as a result of the the pandemic. And those things weren't being talked about. Mm -hmm. And it was like the magic solution is do this thing, but none of the other things. Like, hey, make sure you're getting out and exercising. And we literally did the opposite. Make sure you're connecting with people when the messaging was like. Do not connect with people. Stay, like stay apart to be together. And, and and again, right? Like it's easy to pick apart on this side of the event and say, wow, that was a misstep in that. But I think that like the, the lesson for me is like, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to be like, wow, I, if I were to go back and do it again, knowing now, like I think we would all do it differently. Well, yeah. And yeah, you, and you be more vocal about it not be afraid to kind of like be the person that stands out or, I mean, I've talked about this a couple of times on my own podcast, uh, more about the financial health of what, what could have taken place had, yeah. had they not printed money. Right. I mean, whether you like the inflationary system or not, it's the system. And so the odd, you know, you, you had one avenue, which was let's print a bunch of money and let's give everybody bailouts and let's get everybody through this hard time mm-hmm. and we'll deal with the consequences later. That's the road we took and that's where we're at. But what was the alternative? The alternative was not printing money. It was maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> a lot of people die, right? Because we don't change, we don't change that. And then on top of that, what do we go into a def- deflationary currency where things crash on the other side? I don't know what's worse, right? So, I mean, if you asked me in that position, man, that would suck yeah. to be in that position. Yeah. And so it's easy, yeah. For and us we all to try th- to do the best with the sure. information that we have at the time. And then in retrospect, we can digest and try like we are doing. But, but I think as we look back, we start to see the inconvenient truths about the decisions that were made and then we start to see the malicious intent and then we start to see the abuse of power and then we start to see these things that don't add up and those questions are far more important than what would have happened if had we not printed money right yeah i think i think uh, to kind of start to navigate uh, this conversation towards some conclusion i think if there's takeaways it's it's to be curious to to be critical to ask questions um, to not be afraid of having a voice. Like I think there were, you know, lots of damaging things that came in the past few years. Like I think we shouldn't cancel people that think differently. We should call them in and, and have conversations with compassion and curiosity and, and not try to other absolutely everybody that thinks differently than ourselves. Exactly. Um, well, Stephen Hawkins said it best. What did he say? Just keep talking. Yes. Yeah. Like if right. you disagree with someone, there should Teacher be an John invitation. John Floyd's division bell, 1994. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> we, I mean, there's so many rabbit holes. I think this is going to be like a part one. Like you guys are all like music aficionados, <laughs> athletes, you know, like we're into health and wellness. But I think like take this as a, as a starting point to be curious, like maybe 
look into some cryptocurrency, look into the idea of decentralization. Instead of, uh, you know, canceling someone that thinks differently, why don't you have a conversation with them without getting mad? Try and, and see it from their side. And yeah, you know, try to understand. And I, I think the other the, the thing I just leave with cryptocurrency is don't look at cryptocurrency right now just to make a quick hundred bucks or 200 bucks. It's not your vehicle, right? I'm a hodler of this thing. I've held it for years and I will hold it for another decade and I won't transact it. That's the other thing. So you have to try and understand its true intrinsic value and how you think it's going to change. Not only the society that we operate in, the social fabric that we have, but what can you do with it in terms of taking away the outcomes that our governments put on us, right? We are so subject to their decisions. Cryptocurrency is really a philosophy of sovereignty about having freedom. That's really what it is. It is not being tied to institutions. It is not having borders. Nobody can shut you up. That really is what this is about. It's not necessarily about the currency. The currency is the form it takes, but really it's tokenized energy. That's what it is. So and the, the decentralization aspect is really about, <clears throat> um, you know, getting away from the gatekeepers. Totally. And, um, you know, that phrase has been very popular of late, but um, that really is is kind of one of the takeaways. And I wore my, my You Are They shirt today, mm-hmm. which is uh, only one of two that I ever made. And um, if I had closing comments, I would say uh, that people often think everything we've talked about is very abstract and what can I do in my daily life and how does this affect me? And we're talking geopolitics and we're talking macroeconomics and all these big highfalutin ideas and stuff like that. What can I do in my everyday life? And it's like, well, they do this and they say that and, you know, they, 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 they. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, you are they. And meaning that every purchase you make is a vote for whatever product that is, whatever brand that is, wherever that item is made. Way more of a vote than a political one, FYI. Yeah. Way more. Um, every click on your phone is, is, is a vote, your attention. So in essence, you are creating the world that you want to see. Every movie that you watch, every action that you take, every dollar that you spend, all of this stuff helps create in its totality the world that is around you. So if you wanted to mention something like China being the next big superpower on earth and that's something that scares you and this is totality. Stop buying shit you don't need from China. Like it's, it's not hard to do in your, in your daily life. Um, shop local. Walmart's another terrible example of this. Amazon is another terrible example of this where if you want small local shops to, to, to buy and thrive, then take action to do that shop locally, buy from somebody that you know, those are little things that you can do that are within your control. Those businesses then thrive. Those businesses that employ people within your community, rather than a robot warehouse with no lights on because they don't need lights because it's just robots in there. There's no people. Um, And those are, those are real things that are happening right now. You can take action in your daily life in these very small ways. So ultimately you, the individual, even though it might not seem so, you are creating the future and you are the solution, not part of the solution. And people need to think about that more in their, in their day-to-day lives and in their communities because the power ultimately lies with us. Those big entities and big businesses, they get their power because they get our money, they get our attention, they get all of those things. You can take that away. 
so the world that you want to exist, you can create every day with your economic decisions, with your digital decisions, with I, the decisions of your time and energy and primar- Primarily with your wallet. Mm-hmm. Like your wallet has so much more power than you think, right? Like decisions of major companies, major major political powers, directions of countries, they all revolve around what's happening with how people spend money and what they spend their money on, right? So when you're going to get your coffee, you can choose to go to that local well, barista versus going to a multinational. Or Alex Harmozzi said it really well. He said, if you've got a friend who owns a business, don't go and ask your friend for a discount on your drink. Go and pay the full price at your friend's business. That is the greatest compliment, the greatest act of service you could do for your friend. Go ask Starbucks for a discount. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Or, a, or a neighborhood. It's funny, area. like having being a, you know we can speak to being small business owners you really notice those people that, that oh, do yeah. that. I know Dash like you always make an effort but uh, um, you see the individuals that make those conscious decisions that make small business possible that make uh, and small businesses are the fabric of society society and communities mm-hmm. um, you know uh and it doesn't have to be just small business. It can be uh, which farmers are you supporting? Like, are yeah. you supporting the the produce from like uh, you know different countries? Are you going to the farmer market down the street and getting produce that uh, was grown local by local people? I mean, I think we can apply it to all aspects of our life. And so, Bitcoin, just to wrap it up, is the best proponent for that. I like this. I like this. I'll save this um, for our, our future conversations, Rick. But uh, I think it's worrisome. You know, we've talked about centralization, decentralization, and we can just give this a foreshadowing for future conversations um, with what's happening with the supplement world in, in Canada. Ooh, and yeah. and uh, I don't know if it's in the States too, but uh, right now you can go to Body Energy Club, you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to Finlandia or anywhere and buy natural foods like hemp seeds and spirulina and maca and ashwagandha and all these things that are going to make us healthy people hopefully um but it's it's changing so that uh basically the pharmacy will control have control over these products they're trying to lock that down that's that's a great example of like where disgusting you know people the, the shit people choose to get like wound up about is just baffling to me you know, like if anyone, they sh- people should be in the streets protesting people like Monsanto. Yes. And like yeah. those companies that are absolutely feeding you poison yes. on the daily. Yet everyone chooses these other sort of like, you know, silly things to get wound, wound up about. You but know, um, we could know. do a whole whole show about. Uh, I know. Okay. So why. we're going to pin that. We're going to pin natural foods, Monsanto glyphosates like i think it's wild All like check things. check your kids foods see if they're gmo oh, foods man. or if they've got glyphosates because i think uh the uh long-term implications just like putting a few dollars into bitcoin it's a long-term implication i think the long-term implications of our food systems uh we want to decentralize that as well yeah. and take the power back to the farmers i, I would give one final plug as well too i mean <clears throat> i know for for the, the this topic and cryptocurrency and bitcoin can be scary for a lot of people particularly given the press with regards to say today's news about binance right. or kraken or whatever um you know having been in the space for a long time we're very fortunate again in vancouver to have the home of a company like netcoins which is regulated by the federal government. They've survived all of these sort of both external macro environments and within the crypto industry. Very safe. Um, so if you are interested in, in getting involved or you have questions, 
they have fantastic customer service, local company. You can buy um, their stock too. Big, uh, yeah, big digital big, assets own yeah. them. They're on TSX as well too. Um, I am uh, helping them out with their OTC desk right now um, as well too. So if you have any questions, hit us up okay. and uh, we can go from there. Rick, I didn't know that you you were attached to that. I I own a lot of that stock, so keep going. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, I uh, appreciate you both as, yeah. as friends and just coming on and having this like open-ended conversation. Um, it's, you know, this kind of group dialogue is something we want to explore more on the podcast. I think it's important just to like have questions and curiosities and explore them without judgment. Uh, and uh, no, grateful for you both for uh, for joining us today. So thanks so for having thank us. You. Thanks for having us. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Well, all right, there you have it. Rick Ocean and Ryan Dash sharing their wisdom, dropping their knowledge, spreading the spreading the decentralized message of <laughs> crypto and how you know the intricacies of of the government and the imf and all this stuff so so interesting how you know it's all entangled and not necessarily when you start to peel back the layers not necessarily for the betterment of society yeah and that's kind of how it's been built so you gotta yeah it's interesting to take pause and reflect on on some of what they were sharing for sure decentralized yeah we dropped some seeds that may grow into our next conversations decentralizing health and medicine How else can this show up in society? Yeah. We'll see. We'll On see. this decentralized platform of podcasting, podcasting. which is, is exactly what it is. And, you know, photo sharing on the decentralized platforms of, you know, Instagram and TikTok and these things for all of their faults. And, you know, in some ways, like lack of freedom as the as the algorithm will show us and reinforce the things that we like and da 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 da. But at the same time, it, it gives us access to the world in ways that we've never had before. So it's... I do think podcasting is one of the strongest decentralized forms for for media for yeah. for news. Like uh, you know, guys like Rogan will platform anybody from yes. any direction and just have conversations. Uh, and you know, I just said Rogan as an example, but any anybody he's kind of the biggest one in terms of like polarizing. But then yeah. if you look at guest lists, it's from all political spectrums, really. And yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Lex Friedman does a good job of that too. Also he'll Lex have Friedman. like, uh, you know, on first conversation he'll have Team A, and second conversation he'll have Team B, and yeah. it, uh, he doesn't really make his own conclusions. He leaves it for the listener yeah. to kind of listen, and I think that's healthy. Yeah, it's a good thing. Decentralized. All right. Until next week, friends. Stay good, y'all. Peace.